For the Lord is worthy of all the glory. God deserves a better hand praise than that. We can give God some praise. For He's worthy to be praised. I know He woke you up this morning. And He started you on your right way. And gave you peace of mind. That's the God that we serve. Who's able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. May the name of the Lord be praised. Lord, we thank you today for your goodness, and we pray that you will bless us. You've already blessed us. Anoint the vessel, bless the word of God, and may the hearers hear what the word says. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I know you said hello to somebody. Just say hello to the person next to you. Don't move. Just say hello to the person next to you. Turning your Bibles to the book of Acts. How many of you know what we have been studying? Anybody knows what we've been studying? What book have we been studying? Does anyone know what the, the acronym ACTS stands for? A-C-T-S. What does the acronym for prayer stand for ex- except for those who come to Sunday school? Well, some of y'all may or may not. But does anyone know what ACTS stands for? A-C-T-S. As in the prayer, the formulation, the formula for prayer. Not Sister Florence. No, thank you. You can't answer that. Just <laughs> Michelle can't. Acts. ACTS. I'm going to give you a formula. I want you to write this down. Acts. ACTS. Write A if you, on your paper. Underneath the ACTS. This is for those of you sometimes who are not, you're not sure just how I should pray. This is a method or a way that you can approach prayer to make, make sure that all bases are covered. Sometimes we began prayer by always asking God for something. But let me give you this. Acts. A-C-T-S. The A stands for adoration. A-D-O-R-A-T-I-O-N. Adoration. I'm going to give them to you and just briefly expound on each of them. Then we'll go to the scripture. Adoration. The C stands for confession. Confession. The T stands for thanksgiving, thanksgiving, and the S stands for supplication, S-U-P-P-L-I-C-A-T-I-O-N, supplication. I'm going to give that to you again, S-U-P-P-L-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. It means petition. Petition, supplication means petition. Now, when we think of when we think of approaching God in the morning, you can use this as a formula in regards to praying. Adoration is just telling God how great he is, who he is. Lord, we just honor you for your wonderful grace, your majesty. You are awesome. It is adoring God. It is a way that we adore God. Amen. You come in the morning and just adore him for who he is. Amen. He's worthy to be praised because he's God. The C stands for confession. We confess our faults to the Lord. And there may be something that you're holding against somebody. Confess your sins before the Lord. God, you know I haven't been thinking right. My heart's been, Lord, not in the right place. It's a way of confession. You're not asking for anything. then. You're just simply confessing before the Lord. Now, there's a close um, relationship between adoration and thanksgiving. But thanksgiving is thanking God for his goodness. Thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for giving me, Lord, a good night's sleep or even a bad night's sleep. Thank you for waking me up this morning. It's a way of thanking God. You still haven't asked God for anything. You're thanking him. Then when you get to the S supplication petition, that's when you can say, God, 
I need your help this morning to be able to start my day. The asking comes at the very end. We oftentimes have a reverse. We put the asking way up top and don't give God no praise. But the acts formula is something that you can use every single day. A-C-T-S. And in that order, you can give God the glory. You can, you, can, you can move it around if you want, but that's the way of how you can begin to pray. Adoration, just worshiping, just adoring him. He's, God, you're worthy, you're awesome, and I look at your majesty. I look at the, how you made this world just tremendous. We don't worship the trees. We worship him who made the trees. We can thank him for the trees, yes. Pardon? The supplication petition means to ask. It's a request for the Lord. So in other words, when we do the prayer request here, it's a way of actually praying for people, yourself, situations, need help, need God to help me in, in different things. So it's a way of asking or petitioning God. All right? Okay. So did anyone learn something new today? All right. All right. That's good. So we can close our Bibles and get ready to go on home right now. No, don't do that right now. I have a word for you. Have a word. Acts chapter 17. I'm going to read 16 through 35 and jump right into this word. Hopefully, I'm not sure if I can get done because of the time. But Acts 17, beginning at verse number 16, and I will then give the title after I read. Acts 17, verse 16 through 35. Acts chapter 17, beginning at verse 16. I'm reading from the NIV. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, you know what I'm going to do? I want you to go back up to verse 15. Go back to chapter 17. Just go just 17. Just go to verse 15. I'm going to start there. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All of the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Could have been down on the front in Hayden Storm talking about what's new. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now, What you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because 
What? He himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of our own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard this about, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. As a title, I've given this message, All Talk and Idol Worship. All Talk and Idol Worship. Truth cannot be denied without a series of negative effects upon the citizens of that place. People are no longer in search for truth. But what makes them feel good? People want to just feel good, whether it's true or not. Absolute truth is bantered about by many, has something that cannot be known. So in other words, when we look at truth, people say, what is truth? Truth cannot be known. But that's a lie straight from the pit. This is one of the main things that led to the downfall of Athens. According to Dr. R.C. Sproul, when Two of the leading philosophers of that day, in the days um, prior to Paul, uh, a person by the name of um, Heraclitus or Heraclitus and Parmenides, they could not agree on the meaning of what absolute truth was. And because Heraclides or Heraclides and Parmenides could not agree on this, it led the people in that time to abandon the search for truth. And it caused them to seek for personal understanding as the goal. The person that brings that after a long period of time, the person that brought back um, a search for truth was a person by the name of Plato. Maybe you have heard of him. And there was a person that he had as a student by the name of Aristotle. Have you heard of Aristotle? He was the student of Plato. But something happened. The two of them had a disagreement on what truth was. Aristotle did not accept what he had to say and developed his own teaching or own belief on truth. And therefore, as a result of this, 
everyone began to say, if Plato and Aristotle, if they cannot come to an agreement on what truth is, then nobody can know what it is. And then enters the period in which we are now, the period of skepticism. It ushered into Athens a period of skepticism. Today we live in a world in which everyone seems to believe that they have a corner on the truth. And so people act as if their views, thoughts, and life define what truth really is. Truth is reality and cannot be manipulated to produce what we want it to be. While Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle came hundreds of years before Paul, and, all, and while Athens had lost its flair, it was still the leading city of the time where the intelligentsia went. It is in a climate, in this climate of idolatry, in the age of skepticism, in which Paul comes to Athens. Leaving Berea 200 miles, he comes to this idol-worshiping city, the leader of philosophy, the arts, the leading, the leader, leading city of, of wisdom, and the leading city in which people would flock to to look at all of the monuments. Athens had a temple that was built to the goddess Athena. And as Athena, and as Athens was known for their idols, it is no wonder that a temple was built and dedicated to this idol. Pagans built altars in the high places. The high places were places that were built up on the hill at the highest point, which is called, in, in, in many places you see what's called a butte or a mesa. Now, a butte is different than a mesa. They have a, a steep cliff, and at the top it's flat. And at these places on the top, these buttes, they would build shrines and altars to their gods, and the reason that they would put them on these high places, and in the Bible you remember that God was oftentimes talking to his people about their false worship upon the high places. It is upon the high places where they would build these altars to their false gods because it was closest to heaven, as they thought, closest to their gods, and so they would build their thinking that they would be more in line and have greater access to please their gods. I'm going to address one point with several, one particular point, but several points underneath. And that is challenging what others are at peace with. Challenging what others are at peace with. We've noted and discovered that when Paul would go into a city, he would go first into the synagogue. He would go to that place. And, and if anyone remembers, that was one of the patterns that Paul set forth. And, and, and when he would go to the synagogue, if a visitor was from out of town, the visitor would be asked, especially if he was known as a teacher, he would be asked if he had anything to say to the people. There would be scripture reading, there would be a prayer, and there would be an expounding on the word. But when Paul comes to Athens, 
there seems to be an initial and a, and a, a change that we evidence or see in what he does. He doesn't go straight this time to the temple, but he goes and observes all of the idols that surround the city and line the streets. Paul has a, a, a visceral reaction, a strong reaction to all of the idols and, and the sin that infiltrates this city. Paul was not enamored, as many other people were, with all of the monuments of that place. While the people praised Athens, Paul was repulsed by what he saw. We've got to be so very careful that we don't hunger and, and thirst after what the world hungers and thirsts after. We live in a society in a time today when, when people give a lot of credence and a lot of support and a, and a lot of their time to things that God says, I have a concern about. Where God says, I'm not in that. There are people today that, that, that's running after the very thing that God says is sin. And while the people are falling down and clamoring after these idols, Paul is distressed in his spirit. And this is what Paul is, is seeing as he comes into Athens. And his heart is grieved. And this matter has to be addressed. Now Paul is in Athens, and he's waiting for Silas and Timothy to come to him. Because they were left back in Berea. You see, wherever Paul, whenever he went to town, Paul would be run out of town. You know, you know when he would go to the city and open his mouth about the Lord, it would oftentimes lead to a problem. You hear me? Paul had to leave Thessalonica. He goes to Berea, 50 miles away from Thessalonica. The people embraced the word of God and searched the scriptures daily. The people that are in Thessalonica, the leaders hear that he's now in Berea, and they said, that troublemaker is over there in Berea, and we got to go stop him. And so some of those rugged, let me just say rugged, <laughs> men <laughs> goes to Berea, and stirs up some of the knuckleheads in that place who's willing to listen to him. And Paul has to leave town. But note what I said last week. That the brothers there, they took Paul down to where the water was, down to the, to the, to the docks, 17 miles away, and they accompanied him 200 miles to Athens. Now that's saying something. Now I told y'all that. I told, I've been telling y'all this. That those men had to walk oftentimes where they went or get on the ship. Today you can get, I tell you, you can get in your car. Today the car almost drive itself. Got some cars a day. You can turn to the back seat and it will sense the car in front and it will break for you. Put your car on the road and hit cruise control. We'll go up the hill and press the gas. We've got to maintain the speed. It's on cruise control. 
all the conveniences, and yet people can't get to the house of God. Paul would have to run, would have to go through areas where there were bandits along the way. Would be in, in, in New Orleans when Hurricane Katrina hit. I was leaving the day that Hurricane Katrina hit. I just was coming from Mexico. Where'd I go? Cancun? And we're at the airport. Look at this, don't look too good. You know, you get a little concerned. We were the last plane they let out. Hallelujah. But I need to say this. Even though New Orleans was hit hard, God's hand of mercy was still on the people. Even though it was devastation. Devastation. There have been people that were brought from there to here. There's been relationships forged. There's been, uh, when I think about Jackie's mom, just met her last week, spared her life. I know this may be hard for the county because she had loved ones. I tell you that God in his grace has still shown mercy. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul had to deal with all kinds of chaos. He had been shipwrecked at least three different times. But in his love for the Lord, Paul kept right on going. We have the conveniences today. And a little bit of trouble will keep us from persevering. You can't do that. What, what, what does our love for, for God represent? How do we show our love? Paul was so concerned for people. He was so concerned that Paul says, I'm willing to risk my life. I consider it, it, a, it, it a loss, my soul a loss for the sake of Christ. I will give my very life for Jesus Christ. So Paul comes into Athens. And he is concerned about all of the idols that he sees. And while he's there waiting for Paul, or for waiting for Silas and Timothy, he sends word back to them and says, tell them as soon as they can come to come. And then something interesting happened. Paul goes to the temple and begins to talk to the men and the people in the church. What is Paul concerned about? He says, how can there be? How can there be such uh, uh, quietness? And how could there be such uh, acceptance of all the idol worship that's happening in this place? He confronted the church. He confronted the leaders and says, what are you doing? Have you seen all the idols in this place? All along the street, thousands of idols. Then Paul says, however, there's something there that we've got to do. We've got to be aware. Not only did Paul go to the synagogue, the Bible says he was also in the marketplace. Every day, talking to people who wanted to listen and who would listen. Now get this. This is a culture 
where the people did nothing but spend time talking about and listening about all the latest ideas. There's some people today, they ain't interested in working. They're only interested in what's the latest gossip. Tell me the latest news. Tell me what so-and-so said. Oh, no, he didn't. (laughs) Oh, yes, he did. When? Last week. Where? Over there. You kidding? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah, over there. How do you know? I saw him. Where are you? Looking out my window. I saw the time he went in and the time he came out. Wanting to hear the latest. But when it comes to the word of God, I ain't got time for that. Mm-mm. No, I ain't got time for that. Paul challenges those that are in the marketplace. He addresses the problem of the city. Paul does not limit his discourse to the synagogue, but also to the marketplace he went. Paul was not at peace with what he saw and wants to stir up into action the city in regards to their sinful condition. Please don't tell me that it cannot take one person to stand for righteousness and change a city to the glory and honor of the Almighty God. The Athenians and foreigners spent their time doing nothing but talking about the latest ideas. So, two major groups that are at this time, the Epicureans and the Stoics. The Epicureans were a group of Philosophers that said, well, if it feels good, do it. They were the feel-good philosophers. You know that group. That song, Let's Get It On. No, I don't know that song. (laughs) The philosophers, those that were basically in the realm of pleasure. But remember this. This is a little bit different. According to Dr. C's, Dr. R.C. Sproul, he, he, one thing I know, he said that. But it was not to be involved in overindulgence. It was trying to find that right balance. The Epicureans. Their, their, their idea and their whole pursuit was the seeking of pleasure. There are people that have been on a journey of seeking pleasure from the time they was a kid up until they're still seeking it. You know, little babies want pleasure. Pacifier, milk. They will cry in a minute. I was going to Hanford um, back in 89. Had to preach there. And Sister, I remember Sister Barbara Berry had, was, in the service of her husband. And so she said, well, maybe you can stay at the base in the family. So I'm one of those individuals. I don't like turning on my air condition. I roll the window down. I'm thinking I'm saving gas. That, that was a thought back in the day. You just let that hot air blow in. I must have got that from my daddy because we go across country in the desert. He did not believe in air condition. 
roll the window down and have all that hot air blowing through the car, circling around the car. And all you can do is you look down the road, see nothing but highway. Miles and miles. And you think there's a little hill. And all of a sudden you go over the hill, nothing but more highway. And hot air. I know that's where I got it from. Keep the windows down, no air conditioning. Got to save that gas. That's what they thought that has been. So I'm going to Hanford, and uh, kids in the back, and Mel's, and nothing else. Shrell's newly born, and got the baby seat there, and roll the window down. What in the world? Roll the windows back up. She stopped. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? I will try this again. Roll the window. <laughs> Turn the air conditioner on. All right. I, I lose the baby win. She don't want this hot air blowing on her face. Can't talk, but she can cry. And she gave me the message. Daddy, close the windows, please, and turn the air conditioner on. Three-month-old baby told me clearly. And then when I turned the air conditioner, she said, thank you so very much. <laughs> Ain't had no more from her that whole trip. But the Epicureans wanted pleasure. And so that's what they pursued. Now the Stoic philosophers came out of a group by, by the, well, came from a person, from a person by the name of Zeno, and, and, and their belief was there's no good in anything, no pleasure, and we, we must be temperate, and, uh, you know, what will be, will be. And so for them, they thought that there was nothing that you could do to really affect your future. And so they were ones that really kind of denied pleasure, more kind of, kind of a person that had a stiff upper lip and just kind of, you know, we will accept, can't really change anything. But the thing that you did have control over uh, was your, your attitude, how you saw things. So if it's going to be bad anyway, you might as well just go ahead and accept it as that. And that's it. Since you really can't change it, can't change the circumstances. And so Paul is dealing with these groups here. But let me tell you this. The gospel, the Bible says, is the good news. And it was Paul that brought the good news to Athens. This was his first time in Athens. And this is his second missionary journey. And as he is in Athens, Paul preaches and teaches the same, but he approaches it differently. Now, Paul, remember, had the equivalent uh, of two doctorate degrees. He was taught by Gamaliel, the leading rabbi of that time, the leading teacher. And Paul was very well educated. And so when he approaches and deals with them, Paul comes from the perspective of the intellectual part because he can deal and address their issues. Quickly, let's go on. My time is 
quickly, quickly moving. I'm almost done because y'all going to be done in a minute. Paul was not interested in blending in but proclaiming what was true. God does not dwell, he says, in what your hands have made. If you really think about this, people worship what their hands make, physically and even spiritually in a sense. Let me say this. Athens had so many idols that one person said it was easy to find an idol in Athens than a man. And it was the idols that they had made that they worshipped. Imagine this. You craft an idol and then you fall down and worship it as God? Paul was appealing to their intellect. Think about it. Does it make sense? Paul says, the God, this creation that you see, the world in which we live, even the materials by which you made these idols, there's a God of creation. There's a sign that you have to the unknown God. Let me tell you about this God and this sign that you have. Let me tell you about him. He is the creator of heaven and of earth. He does not live in temples and buildings. He lives above. He cannot be contained in this earth or how we make things. And so Paul goes on this discourse. God's image is not like anything that they had created, and the fact that they are living in Athens was, Paul says, by divine plan. Do you not know that where you live is not by accident? It's not by accident. God ordained and ordered where people would be. Remember the Tower of Babel? When they said, we're going to remain right here. And they began to build this tower. It was a tower of rebellion. And God says, no, I'm going to, going to disperse them. Those that were right there in Athens had a divine appointment scheduled from the beginning of time. The Lord had ordered that Paul was to go there and present the gospel. And then there was a place called the Areopagus. The Areopagus used to be a high court. And it was there where they said, you know, we want to hear you. And so they would take important matters up to this place called the Areopagus, and the elders would sit in these seats. And Paul began to discourse to them, telling them about the glory of God, the goodness of the Lord. And then this Areopagus. And get what happens as I conclude. I can't finish this today. When Paul got to the point of the resurrection, the Bible says some of them left. Some of them stopped hearing and said, this man is talking nonsense. But there were some that led, that heard. They even called Paul a babbler. The word babbler means a seed picker or a seed gatherer. It was a person that would take straps of cloth and, you know, like people would pick up little stuff and try to sell them. Cans when that—that's what a seed picker or babbler was. Was a—it was a person that would take up things and try to sell the scraps. What is this babbler, this seed gatherer, trying to say? And they didn't know that they were really the babblers. Paul told them that they, their whole movement, their whole being, 
was in Jesus Christ, was in God. They, didn't, they couldn't even move. They couldn't even act or respond outside of God. Do you not know that your movement and what you do is in God, is directed by him? Your breathing, your life, everything you do is directed by the awesome and mighty hand of God. There's just some people who have not come to understand that yet. And so they were they left this place and said, said we would want to hear you further on this matter. Paul never compromised the gospel for anybody. He never compromised the word of God for anybody. Even if it meant stoning. Even if it meant he would be put in prison and beaten, which occurred. Paul would not offer a bribe to be let out of prison. Paul would not offer nor accept a bribe. I can offer some of y'all right now and $100,000 if I had it. Tell you how to do something? Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> Mm-mm. Shouldn't be for sale. Your integrity should never be for sale. Get that now. Your integrity should never be for sale. Paul could stand in this place of Athens in the midst of thousands of idols and not be impressed with what all of the foreigners and all of the people were clamoring to be around. Paul says, I am not impressed. But let me tell you what I am impressed with and who am I I'm impressed with? The Lord Jesus Christ. Bow your heads. All talk <laughs> and idol worship. How many of you are worshiping idols in your lives? An idol is anything that we put ahead of God and serve. I don't care what it is. What are you putting ahead of God? Your car, your television, food, your money, your depression, your wisdom. What are you putting ahead of God? God will have no other gods before him. And to this day, buildings in Athens, some of them still stand in ruins. Lord, in this place today, we pray that we will be reminded that while people may be serving many things, we are to serve the only true God, the one and only God, God who created heaven and earth, the Savior who died for our sins. Today, Lord, we have to take a stand when other people oftentimes won't. And we are praying in this place that people, no matter what the cost, no matter what people might say about them, that, God, you will help the believers to stand. Oh, trying times are coming. They are, in fact, here. But, Lord, there are times coming that's going to test our very faith. There are going to be situations where we're going to be call, called, Lord, to deny you. May we not do it. But stand for the glory of God.
May we look and see Paul's example and not be enamored, Lord, with all the wealth of a city. But, Lord, may we be impressed with the glory of God, the presence of the Lord. We thank you for your grace and your glory. In fact, I feel the need, Sister Jackie, would you come up, please? I'm going to pray for you, for your mom. Feel the need to anoint you as well as your mom travels on Friday, I believe. That God will give her traveling mercy. And I want you to lay your hands on your mom, if you would, and pray. Let her know that we prayed for her, that she will have a surgery. I'm going to pray with you right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray for Jackie's and her mom, that you will give traveling mercy. We pray that even right now in her body, while she's not feeling the best, that you, God, will touch her, that she will have a safe, smooth trip back home. Thank you that she's been able to come here and visit. And, Lord, I see the love that Jackie has for her mama. And we are praying in Jesus' name that it will not only continue and grow, but that, God, it will just flourish. Thank you right now, and we praise you for allowing her mom to come. We honor you today. We worship you. We give you the glory and all the praise, for you are great in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm going to, as we end, I'm going to do one final prayer. I'm going to let you go. But, Sister Florence, I'm going to have you give your announcement. We're going to give one. I'm going to pray for Mother Carol, and then we're going to dismiss and let you go home. I'm going to say a prayer for Mother and then the General, and then we're going to let you go home. Today, Lord, we thank you for Mother Carol over the years, just the blessing she's been to the body of Christ. Lord, just history, longevity, so many things you've done. And, Lord, we're praying today that you will give traveling mercy. Pray that, God, you will work this situation out. Everything that needs to be done, we are praying that, God, you'll do it for your glory and their good. That, Lord, they'll be able to sit back and watch God at work. We love you today, and we are praising you. Bring her, take her and bring her back safely in the name of Jesus. And again, as we leave this place today, may we always walk in the very presence of God in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.